we've always got to do our hard yards and I've done the hard yards and I've shoveled bunks in the rain and I've unloaded cattle at night and I've inducted cattle in the rain and the sun and the heat, you know, no matter what, we've done it for the cattle and the people and I'll always strive for that. G'day and welcome to episode 64 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and it's a pleasure to have you all back. I hope everyone's keeping safe and sane and things are a little bit crazy at the moment, but I hope you're managing to find those positive distractions each day. One of them is certainly our next guest, who I had a lot of fun chatting to. Before I jump into talking all about it and the conversation we had, I just want to thank this episode's sponsor, LAWD. The specialists in agribusiness valuations and transactions. You can find out more at www.lawd.com.au. Our next guest as part of the Entola series is Amanda Moon, and I hope you can hear the excitement in my voice. I've only met Amanda once in real life, but this conversation was like talking to an old friend. There was plenty of laughs, a lot of fun, and her story is absolutely fascinating. Amanda's career has spanned various roles and areas of the supply chain. She's currently the regional manager for intensive feedlot operations for AACO. She's based at Aranui Feedlot near Dalby, where she spends her time overseeing two different feedlots with a total capacity of 60,000 head. On top of this, she's an active mentor for the next gen of industry leaders through her work with the Graham Acton Beef Connections Group and is the founder of Women of Lot Feeding, and we'll have a little bit more on that later. I hope you guys enjoy the chat and enjoy Amanda's infectious uh, energy. I want to rewind. So back to, I guess, your childhood and growing up. Because yeah. you've already mentioned you've had a, a few different jobs kind of in the ag space. Um, but growing up on a beef property on the Darling Downs, mm-hmm. what was, what was, yeah, your childhood like and who was around you? It was fun. I, look, I grew up kissing calves and having potties and I grew up, um, you know, mum and dad are my brother and, of course, I was the bossy big sister and it's fitted really well into my career as well and I take on that bossy mum role now and it was great. You know, I was raised by a really big family of great aunts, great uncles, a lot of grandparents. I was blessed to have so much support you can do what you want. Uh, maybe some people weren't as great of, oh, no, she's gone into ag as uni. Um, but then my parents were just like, you do you. you if you want to do that, that's great. Uh, grew up working hard. You know, Gran had a poultry farm and so we collected eggs. My, we had trotters, so we were working horses at 5 a.m. before I went to school. You know, um, it was it was fun and I hope that eventually my kids will grow up like that because you need to grow up dirty and kissing calves and, and having the best time, definitely. Yeah. And flat out. Flat out. <laughs> I think that's, that's just going to be the theme that comes out. Yeah, it's worked out well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> in terms of, so going and studying an ag degree, you headed down to UNE in Armidale. Yeah. Was it a no-brainer no for you? No-brainer. So in your 11... My subjects were completely chosen so I could go straight into ag, biology, chemistry, physics, you know, or maths. Um, and then year 12, I didn't have the best year 12 education-wise, personal-wise, and 
I really struggled with a few sudden deaths. And so that really probably knocked me a lot in my education for a bit. And I, it was so good. I had the support of the school and they knew I wanted to do ag. They knew I wanted to go to UNE. And I was so blessed. I got in on principal's recommendation into UNE prior to QCS, prior to all of that. So it was a real weight lifted off my shoulders that I was going straight into my dream. And when I got accepted into Albies, that was it. We were, uni was cracking. Yeah. Do you feel indebted to the, to the principals and people who rallied around you? Um, 100%. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was a, it wasn't a, you know, it was a sad time. It had a lot of tragic deaths within that year 12 period. And, you know, unfortunately being young and immature, you really sometimes can't get through that. And so um, the teachers at Snurshels were amazing and I, I loved it there. And it was good, the pressure to not have a great score, you know, because yeah. in the end they put so much pressure on it. But, gosh, it, it's not needed. And I, I hate that there's so much pressure because it is it's hard for somebody in year 12 um now and it was great and literally didn't stop them it was just the best is best experience going to UNE mm. and so was Queensland always home we you're spending those cold winters in Armidale which I reckon is probably one of the coldest places in Australia yeah oh, I call it horrific <laughs> I look I, I went to UNE I had friends there they had the best reputation in ag at the time for me, it was a no-brainer of what they're, where they're going with their ag. They had the feedlotting and they had all the new section there in the wool shed. And um, for me, it was probably getting away from that large family for a bit as well, getting that little distance and spreading my wings. And, um, would I, yeah, look, I did not like winters and I'm blessed to come to central Queensland now and enjoy it out here. But um it, it was fun and I don't regret going to pyjamas. You know, we go to uni at 7 a.m. in our pyjamas because it was so bloody cold. You just put layers and layers on. And, <laughs> it, um, yeah, coming and coming from a beef, agronomy was, of course, 7 a.m. It was the most horrible hour of our life. But um, I wouldn't take it back. I'd do it all over again, definitely. In terms of uni, and I guess I've found it myself, you, you start to... I guess fantasize and you think about what that dream job is kind of post uni and how you landed and get on the big dollars straight away. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what did that look like for you? And is that does that ring true? I'm just <laughs> for us, for us, they were very much like you will struggle to get a job. Like, um really? I, look, I may look young to you, but I've got a little bit of age on me compared to you, Ollie. And we actually were like, be careful, you know, choose your career path very carefully as you leave when I was coming in the majority it was probably 30% women um 70% men and so I, I for me it was like okay I don't even know what I'm going to do and I knew it was cattle 100% and soil and agronomy and plants just weren't my cup of tea and for me it was probably just getting through uni was my biggest thing because studying wasn't easy and I do like to have a party so it was finding that happy meeting throughout university um at the end when I, I when I picked up my feedlotting um like my minors and looked at my majors and where I was going to go um and my electives you know that's definitely where it clicked I was like yeah definitely beef definitely I really love the feedlotting electives that we did and having that experience did it go the way I planned no not at all i I left uni 
um, and to come home um, to help mum and dad. And I went full-time um, studying, but then I went full-time working as well. And I honestly was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I need to finish uni, but I need money. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually stepped into a role at Nippon and that's where sort of my first job was with Nippon Meats at the tannery there. And yeah. I was at New Wave Leathers for five years and I actually just ended up staying there. I didn't mean to. I'd finished uni, graduated in that first year, but I didn't mind the work. The people were nice. It was 100% a male-dominated industry. There was 100 men, five of us in the office. And wow. it was it was interesting and I really enjoyed it. It took me into all different facets of HR, safety, visas and PRs and helping bring workers over and um and it wasn't really until you know through that I had that oh my gosh I need to earn money and get back into ag and that's where we stumbled across the ad for Wonga Plains feedlot and as we say the rest is history yeah well you ended up um making yourself fairly well at home there at Wonga Plains for quite a period of time I still am I um I love Wonga Plains and the crew there and I I definitely pop over so yeah definitely made myself at home um and so grateful to the cam family for giving me the opportunity and for bryce cam believing me and pushing me and we went through a lot there you know we went through my full career progression within feedlotting from waybridge admin to feedlot manager we've went through a lot personally we went through a divorce we went through relationships it's a really family environment and it's still a great environment. I'm so blessed to call Bryce one of my very dear friends and mentors and a lot of the people who still work there I still see and, you know, they were there the other night at the ball and it was, um, yeah, it's fun. It was it was a sad moment to leave um, home at Wonga and, but just so exciting to be able to have the career progression that I've had. So, yeah. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer, and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives, those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability, and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. It's something I, I was wondering about you, Amanda, is just because you're so personally invested in like your work and what you do, do you... Have you ever found it's kind of detrimental to you being so, I guess, having your life revolving around work? Um, I love it. I I absolutely love it. And I think um, you've got the buckets of life and you've got work, you've got your health and you've got love and, you know, you've got your pleasure. I don't think you'll ever all full at once. So let's... Be too much to carry. Bloody oath. How hard is that? Like... Let's pick two good things at a time and run with it. And uh, for me, I'm very much, uh, you know, if you can get one thing perfect and I really strive for perfection within my career. And so that's a big bucket for me. And I think the rest flows. I'm blessed with the biggest support network around me. Um, And so to me, I actually, most of my buckets are full. 
it's just that, yeah, the 10%, 10 percenters of all yeah, of perfect. it. Would I change it? No, definitely not. Everything happens for a reason and you meet people, you break up with people, you meet other people, you've got friends. It's all part of the learning, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. tell me on the leaving CAMAG to come into your role now at AACO, can you talk me through a bit of the, the process? And I guess, yeah, you, you'd spent more than 10 years at CAMAG to then, yeah, decide to step away and, and move on to the next opportunity. How, how tough was it and how long did it take you to make that decision? Um, I was, so I was approached uh, to apply for the role uh, here at AA and I, um, I, I jumped at it. It didn't take me long at all. Um, I was really open with Bryce that I was doing this career progression and, you know, it's, it's what an opportunity to go from one yard to two working for Australia's the most amazing Australian agricultural company. Like what a great opportunity. Was it sad? Definitely it was, but it was more exciting. So I jumped at it and I ran at the opportunity and, and I had um, my few interviews with AA and different members of um, PNC and the executive team. And it was, it was a really great experience applying and it um, was even better when I was successful. So the rest is history as well. So yeah, a huge step that you, you came into. Yeah, huge. And really lucky to have the support at AA and to have the support outside to be actually able to let me fulfill my dreams in this role as well and succeed. We've got two amazing yards and it's just been phenomenal. And I've learned so much. And I think you've got to learn through your whole career. Um, and it's every day we keep going and learning something new. And it's the challenges and opportunities that this industry gives us as well as the company. And so I'm really lucky in that sense and a bit lucky to have my start. Bryce gave us all the same as well. And so it was a really smooth transition. Yeah. It's pretty special to have something like that. And I do want to jump more into Aranui and Gnu as well, but I guess just firstly, so you mentioned you had Bryce kind of, I guess, on your bus and in your corner as someone. Who else did you have or have you had kind of along your career who's been fundamental as a sounding board? Uh, Kay Wilson, definitely, who was part of the Beef Connections program and my mentor. Mm-hmm. She was just absolutely unbelievable, um, men- like especially personal. Like she wasn't a feedlotter and, you know, she didn't know anything about feedlotting, but it's that outside perspective to take the blinkers off and see it from a different angle to learn and to actually see different opportunities where you keep going. You know, it may be a hurdle in the road. Um, However, you could always get around it. And for me, there was so many. I've been mentored by so many amazing people in the industry. Family is a big one. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my mum, my grandmothers, they were all hard workers. And so having them in my corner, my family has never been able to say, oh, you can't do that. Or it's always like, yep, let's do it. And people who know me, I grab everything by the horns and run with it and um, it is full steam ahead and I think for me it's the people I've learned I've learned so much of livestock buyers who've come to the yards I've learned from commodity traders there's so many people who make your knowledge base ginormous and that's my biggest thing I can't stress enough is that you talk to everyone and you talk to guys on the ground you learn I learn every day and it's just I think that's the thing though is taking the opportunity to stop and listen 
we've got two ears, right? So how about we use them more than the one thing else we've got? And I can talk and we'll probably be here for hours if we could. But <laughs> I think it's that learning to listen. Um, just It's just phenomenal the, the absolute support I've had from everyone. Yeah, there's so many. I could name them all, but then I don't want to offend anyone because my personality then get upset because I, I don't want to offend anyone and forget them. <laughs> and how much of it has been a juggle for you? I guess, yeah, learning when it comes to managing people, which is so different. I know from, from my own experience, not managing many, but in terms of I was like, oh, yeah, I reckon I, I'd be semi-good at that. And then you come into it and I was like, holy hell, this is it's a yeah. completely different ballgame. How have you gone with the juggle? Um, the juggling, I've been really lucky to have training support. I've worked with Jill Rini and David Hanlon a lot throughout my career. I've had personal development, like, holy hell, you personalities are insane. And there's not one bird personality out there. It's just understanding how everyone ticks. And I think that's for me, if you've got, you've got to understand yourself and I'm, I've got a really high emotional IQ and I really care about other people and, I can pick up emotion. You know, you'll be sitting in a room and you can see like, you know, I know you're not bored. Look at you. You're loving it. But, you know, when you're talking to someone and they're looking around, I think it's having the understanding to know when you've lost someone and to move away, come back, how to approach different people and different management styles. Um, it's always forever evolving. Yeah, it's a and hell of a skill. Hard, and, oh, my God. And you learn the hard way, right? Absolutely. Sometimes you go about something and then you look back and reflect and go, shit, shouldn't have done it that way you know <laughs> and so I think for me it's um it's all about that it's it's learning trialing and being yourself and if I didn't come in as myself to my managers to my staff then where are you actually going to get so um I wear my heart on my sleeve and sometimes maybe it's a negative but for me I think if we can all be genuine you can actually get a lot further so you've got that trustingness and straight up if that makes does that make sense yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, but yeah. it takes, yeah, it takes a lot of, I guess, yeah, self-understanding to be able to be yourself oh. in a job and, and bring that. Be, but it's so much more powerful when, yeah, oh. you walk into an environment and it's like, oh, yeah, there's, <laughs> Tom is no different at work <laughs> to what he is outside. He's completely yeah. nuts, but it, it's a good sort Correct. of <laughs> Yeah, look, 100%, as I said to you, I've evolved so much as a person, mentally, physically, emotionally and in my career in 2014 I was a C in the disc profile and yeah, yeah and now you look at me I'm the heaviest DI you could ever meet <laughs> yeah and and it's evolved right and it's evolved with me as a person and you know I, I am a real I person and I'm a real people person um but I've got that good streak of D in me as well um which I think you sort of need sometimes as well so and you know you change all the time I bet you in Five years, we'll do it again, and I might be a full D or a full I. It's it's just what you go through. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, they're fascinating, yeah, yeah. those things, and particularly how accurate they are. Oh, oh scary. So going on the Graham Acton Beef Connection, yeah. so you were part of the 2014 program, um, as yeah. you mentioned, with Kate um, as one of your mentors. In terms of you you come through the, the Beef Connections program and, and you've got to come up with a project that you're looking to do and and I guess I haven't followed it for long enough to understand how many of these projects are projects during the time of the Beef Connections program versus things that go on but yeah tell me a bit about your project and I guess what it started out as and then like we can talk about the evolution yeah sure so 
my I went in nervous as hell, didn't know what to expect in this program. It was inaugural, so we're the first cohort to go through. And for us, that was huge. There was a lot riding on. So I felt the stress of going, oh, my gosh, we need to be successful for Beep, for the memory of Graham and for ourselves. And I remember meeting Kay and she was the most amazing person who knew everyone from every facet of every industry within Queensland, New South Wales Ag. And I just said to her, I don't know enough women in the feedlot industry. I'm surrounded by amazing feedlots on the downs and I, we see, you know, one or two people at a feedlot conference once a year. I said, I just feel like we need more support. And she's like, we'll do something about it. And we, we had this massive silo of ideas from having Quinton Bryce coming to talk. And she's like, Jesus, bring it down, lady. Like, Quinton Bryce, <laughs> let's silo this down into the auger. And honestly, it came down to a networking group that we could get together, support, facilitate and really push women in lot feeding. And that's how Wolf eventuated. And it was a really awesome, and I still remember the day. We were still sitting there and it probably took us four hours and we just went, Wolf. And that was it. The rest is history. And and throughout that program, I developed Wolf and the non-for-profit organisation it is. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It was just me. I lovingly pushed one of the girls from Wonga to help me who was at, there at the time and still is um, and a dear friend and still on the committee and and really that's where it took off and I just ran with it. This podcast has been produced in collaboration with Antola Trading. Owned and designed in Outback Australia, Antola have always been known for making some of the best quality work shirts money can buy. But their latest collection is extra special. As you're probably well aware now, Antola's founder, Alicia McClymouth, has chosen 23 men and women who she sees are doing incredible things across regional and rural Australia as the Antola ambassadors. And we're here to tell their story through the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Made from 100% cotton, the shirts are perfect for those long hours in the sun and a hard day's work. And what's more, with every purchase of their new season's kids shirt, Entola will donate $2 to the Ronald McDonald House Charity in Brisbane to help those families who have to travel far in order to help sick kids. You can find out more at www.entolatrading.com. Tell me about, so Wolf is uh, women of lot feeding. Was it widely accepted straight away by people in the industry or was there a bit of reluctance? Oh, that was... Yeah, definite reluctance. Like, oh, my God, there's this woman's group and she's going to go out there and burn bloody bras and fight women's rights and all this. And it's exactly the opposite of who I am. I'm literally like, I want to meet chicks to have a drink, sit at the pub and we can acknowledge each other. You know, I think for me back then, it was 2014, we, I, I just thought for me, I wanted to actually meet people. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to create policies and procedures or I honestly just want to network and meet people and if we can network and meet people and we all honestly have the same issues every every job you have no matter where you are you're always going to have the same issues so why can't we talk about it out loud because we actually feel better once you talk about something understand someone else is going through the same situation half the time someone's already been through it two years ago who's got the most amazing advice to help you or otherwise you brainstorm and it, um, yeah, it, look, don't get me wrong, you know, we've, 
we've really tried hard not to upset anyone and we don't want to. We're here to literally support and have fun. We're, we've got a few networking events every year uh, where we catch up. Uh, we have like a bit of a mentoring weekend uh, where we provide you know, personal development training, DISC, learning how to deal with other personalities. We do like media training and how to promote yourself. This industry, we need to all, we're at the day and age where everyone's on Insta and the TikTok and stuff. And it's not the TikTok, but I feel old enough that I should say it like that. But, uh, <laughs> the talk talk. <laughs> the talk talk. <laughs> yeah. But we need to be able to self-promote in such a positive way and self-promote our industry, right? So, um, and that's where it really started, at the Bumble Pub having a beer cider. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, blokes cool. have played a pretty important role in it, even just recently. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like we just had the ball in Toowoomba. There was over 270 people from the industry um, and the percentage men was higher at attendance like how cool is that I couldn't be where I am without my brother and my dad Bryce the managers I work with right now the guys I've worked with you know I my career has played a major part with the men in my life and I'm so grateful for that and look it's you know Wolf was there for anyone directly or indirectly involved in the industry you know, from sales reps to commodity traders to livestock buyers to freight merchants to carriers, truck drivers, it's everyone. It was Wolf because that's what I wanted at the time and it's just grown into this amazing networking event um, for me that the ball is there and, uh, yeah, it's it's so much fun, yeah. It's perfect. I love that, yeah, it's not like women in lot feeding it's of and i love the yeah. whole like the all-encompassing approach it's it's powerful yeah a hundred percent because you know we we to be a lot feeding industry we need grain suppliers and we need the grass producers and it's everyone and we saw that on the night we nearly had a representative from every supply chain section that comes into lot feeding like how cool is that there's no agenda it's to network have fun listen to a story we had the four daughters speaking. How great is that? That's the next generation of women coming into lot feeding, being supported by their parents and their dad is just amazing. Like everyone has that ability to go so far. And I think it just shows to you what Wolf's about. No, there's definitely no burning bars. Yeah. Just cider. Just <laughs> <laughs> No, no burning bras, but maybe burning bars or something. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there we go. Yeah, I could look at that as our new, you know, little title or something next to advertising. Perfect. I'll be there for that one too. When Perfect. We're allowed okay, locked in. <laughs> one more question around the mentoring, and then I'm keen to jump into the uh, storytelling piece. But so this year, Beef just gone in May, you were yeah. a mentor as well. So you got to yes. see what it was like at the other end. Yeah, it was what an honour to be asked back by Barb to come back on the other chair as a mentor to Ellen. She is amazing, as you know, and we're so lucky to have more inspiring people coming into the beef industry. And um, what an honour. It was unbelievable to have that experience and for me to meet other mentors and a lot of the other mentors in the group I haven't had the pleasure of meeting and so it's been really lovely to have chats and create mentors within the mentors in a way. Um, for me, it's also redefining my skills. I've never been a mentor before. So having the support to support Ellen in the right way, emotionally, 
professionally, everything. Um, it's been really, it's been really an eye-opening experience for me. Fun and really beneficial. I, I couldn't recommend mentoring enough. I think you get more out of it being a mentor, to be honest, than you do as a mentoree or a mentor partner. Yeah. Was this, was there something you walked away from with it with Elle where you're like, oh my God, you've just, you've just completely shifted my perspective or taught me something. Um, oh my gosh, she's such a confident young lady. And to walk into a room, I, I think for me, it was like the caliber of the participants, this program was like, wow, our industry is in the best freaking hands. This is so exciting. And that's what I come back with is like, holy dooly, like Elle and I hit it off the, the second we met each other and we'll be lifelong friends now. And, you know, it's and same as well. We, both of us could talk underwater together. And it um, that was my biggest thing I took out of it was I can't believe how amazing our industry is, how resilient our industry is and who's rising up into the industry. Um, and it, may just, it just made me want to strive more to help and to promote it. Mm. I think, um, well, in terms of what we could talk about in terms of it, like we could talk about sustainability and resilience and kind of the intricacies of lot feeding, but I kind of love this staying on the, well, your story part, but also the power of storytelling. And yeah. I think you've mentioned it a couple of times around using your story to kind of self-promote, to create opportunities for yourself, but kind of intrinsically as well benefit the industry as a whole. Mm. Why do you think it's so important that we need to do more of it? I think for me is that the industry, we do struggle with recruitment and it is something that we do have issues with. And I've got challenges at both yards for different reasons, location, We've got mines, we've got gas. There's so much within that industry that we can't compare to money, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, you know, we can't pay what the mines are on. But what cultural experience can we give everyone? And that's a big one for me is that ag is so fun and it's rewarding. And for me, you know, feedlot is you either love it or you hate it. And I absolutely love it. And it's so rewarding to have a 350 kilo beast come in and exit the yard at 750 kilos and the reward to get to that point. I think what we need to be able to do is promote and, you know, Alpha does a great job, you know, they're getting training and trying to get all that. I think we actually need to lobby together and, you know, on the downs, Tisby are putting together a protein jobs fair and I think that is so exciting to be a part of as AACO and Arunui to be part of that, to promote, um the recruitment side, AA has an amazing graduate program that we do every year and we want young people to come in, experience, love it and stay and it is so rewarding and it's not just about the money and the, the big bucks after uni and the big title <laughs> and lights and um, it's about everything in between that you can get from that and I think for me I want to I be out there and not leave a legacy but I want people to go, hey, it's so possible from a pen writer to a Weybridge assistant to everything. It is 100% possible to have really great career progression in lot feeding, yeah, and the beef industry. Mm, absolutely. Well, ag generally, I think it's, it's that purpose piece which comes with it, which I think chatting with, I bumped into a mate the other day just in Sydney here. We're walking down the street. I hadn't seen him probably for 10 years since I was at school. Um, and he was working at 
Macquarie Bank or one of those big ones. And I was like, oh, what are you up to these days? Anyway, he's like, oh, I've gone and started working for a mental health startup. And I was like, interesting. Like, yeah. I think it's just, well, particularly now more so, people that kind of work, you chase the the dream or what's the perceived dream, and then all of a sudden you kind of work out what matters to you. And mm. he's worked out that that mental health space is somewhere which kind of gives him satisfaction. I think ag is an area which ticks that box for so many people. 100%. You know, and I think for us it's that being on a horse and in a paddock, that's just therapy and mm. um, probably not every, I, like for me that's huge. I thoroughly enjoy getting into my bike and spraying weeds at my block. Like, do you, like it's the small things in life, right, and I think we've always got to do our hard yards and I've done the hard yards and I've shoveled bunks in the rain and I've unloaded cattle at night and I've inducted cattle in the rain and the sun and the heat. You know, no matter what, we've done it for the cattle and the people and I'll always strive for that. Um, it's a big, it's, yeah, I'm really passionate about that. And the generations coming through are so smart and the technology that feedlotting offers in the training is just amazing. So, why, yeah, we, why can't we just keep promoting it? We are. And it's, yeah, it's exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. We, haven't, um, we haven't touched on AACO really. Well, we, I think they've filtered through a little bit but tell me a bit about your team and, and the sites that you guys run yeah sure so as regional manager intensive I have GNU and Aranui and so Aranui being in Dolby GNU being up here in Comet and I'm actually at GNU at the moment I've got two amazing managers that oversee the day-to-day operations of them so they're both very different very positive very energetic and it is wonderful to teach them um, feedlotting and from my perspective management people skills the whole lot um, their careers are very different in how they got to where they are and that just makes it more exciting it's um, very different we've got GNU which has got a camp we've got a social club we're all here together it um, it's a real family environment it's fun Aranui we don't have a camp but still very family orientated down there um, it's it's fun. We've got different aspects. We're feeding all Wagyu's um, at both yards, a few hundred day cattle at Aranui, and the variety is great. The biggest thing for me is synchronisation of the two yards. And no matter what, if one person went to each yard, they know the systems, the procedures. And I know I've done a good job when I know that Mitch is texting Simon going, big girl's in a bad mood today, like, don't go near her because we're a family ourselves and it's absolutely awesome. Um, we've got a great support network in our business partners. So um, IT, uh, PNC, so people in culture, safety, rehabilitation. It's such a, an amazing internal supply chain of networking and support and knowledge to run an everyday yard. And um, it's, it's so fun. Mm. It's um, it's pretty special to be part of that, and you can see it as you're talking about it. Just how yeah, <laughs> how excited we have the best time. And I was so lucky that Nellie, uh, our major managers, come to the Wolf Pool as well. It's it's about cross mingling because I want them to meet others in the industry as well. I want them to be able to meet someone from another field as a manager, and they've created a network to ring up and not just ring me, but ring someone else and go, "Do you do this? Has this happened?" And let's talk about the good, bad, and ugly of field together. 
to then make it better for all of us. Um, we're really lucky. We've got such a great support network at AACO for that. And um, it's it's good. It's The boys uh, run a really good crew. There's um, just under 90 of us at the moment under intensive. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. And, yeah, it's great to, you know, we're always evolving um, and making sure that, everything is at the top of its games in every aspect. So, yeah, challenging. Some days it's challenging, but you wouldn't change it for the world. Definitely not. That's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah, and look, the boys are so chilled. So we're, they like, they're, they're great. They let me have a tap off and then we get into it and we, off we go and it's good. They know that if I'm... I don't yell. I don't. I'm not a big yeller. But if I'm pointing, there's an issue. So <laughs> they um no. We've got a really good relationship between everyone at the yards, and you know, being the larger of them, you know, we've got a great um, support system here and succession planning with that in our intensive workforce. So that's a big thing here. We've got Cameron on the ground as ops manager, and it's just a wonderful. I sound like I'm in a cult, but I'm serious. It's it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like you guys have it, have it well balanced. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we've all got family and there's kids everywhere and it's it's great. So, yeah. That's cool. Mm. In, I've got two questions which I want to wrap up on. One being, so you've got this flash new Antola work shirt named after Ooh, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Absolutely. Because you've mentioned Bryce is a mentor and friend and someone yeah. who's achieved a heck of a lot in the industry. So um, you, you've got a shirt along him, but also people like Froker, Bolton Basham from um, Kununurra. And yeah. yeah, I guess you, you're in quite an, I'd say exclusive bunch in terms of the workshop, but people who have elite. done things. Yeah, we can say elite. Yeah, <laughs> Awesome. We can. What, what was it like when, when um, Alicia spoke to you about it? My gosh, I was so honoured. I'm a... Uh... I don't, I talk about self-marketing. I don't self-market very well. I'm, I sort of, I am probably, yeah, I'm humble. And I was blown away. I was so excited. And then I put on, you know, the social media and I'm like, oh my God, how embarrassing. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. But so honoured because if people can look and go, hey, here's this good looking son of a gun in lot eating. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just think if I can inspire someone to go, okay, cool, you know what, this industry, let's give it a crack. And the where the career paths go, I think for me, it's fun. I think it's fun that Bryce has got a shirt too. I um I definitely think it um they nailed the shirt colour for me. I think they did a bit of research and definitely the pink is epic. And I I just think that the amount of people in this um, collection, how inspirational is everyone? Like, look yeah. at Bryce and, you know, we're the same age, he's older, let's definitely clarify that. He, um, <laughs> he's the CEO of a company, of a family organisation. He sits on the beef, he sits on Alpha. Um, you know, it was great for, to join him on Alpha. I think that everyone, you know, is just phenomenal. And it, I, I questioned if I should have been there for a bit, to be honest. Because I was like, oh, shit, I've done nothing. I just run some feedlots. Like, it's okay. And I've got a little group and that's it. But for me, it was really cool. It was, yeah, I was really blown away. And I couldn't stop telling everyone then. I thought that's this is the best thing. <laughs> Go buy a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Go buy an no, I, got, 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think what's extraordinary about what you're just saying then as well, in terms of the people who have had the most probably profound impact when it comes to um, staring, to sharing their story, have been the people who just try and influence one person, be like, oh, well, there's one person who listens to this and is interested in lot feeding or goes and Mm. researches a bit more than it's done. I feel like they're the people who have the biggest impacts. It's not about talking to the masses. It's that connecting with one person and maybe you connect with many out out of trying that approach. Yeah, 100%. Like for me, if I could just, it was really good actually. I met a really lovely girl at the Wolf Bowl and she's just like, oh, I would like to come and have a cider. I was like, let's do it. Because you know what? Some people actually just want to have a chat as well and actually probably find themselves. And I just think if we can give opportunities like that, how amazing. And I look at the people that Bryce mentor and who he touches throughout his day, who he deals with on the boards. It's phenomenal in the beef industry. And, Mm. you know, that saying, you know, always be nice. I don't know. The boys are going to laugh because they know how bad I'm at saying. And I know they're going to listen to this podcast and go, oh, frig, she's, she hasn't attempted to do a saying, has she? <laughs> Simon's going to be shaking his head. But you don't know what, what anyone's going through, right? So let's be kind and let's help. And if that means that we keep people in the ag and feedlot industry as well, win. It's unreal. All right, which ties in very nicely. My last question is generic yeah. and I ask everyone on, who's been on the podcast. If let's say you're going to talk to a bunch of year 10 students tomorrow yeah. and you're talking to them, giving them a bit of life advice, and why potentially a career in agriculture is a, a choice that they should consider. What would you say to them? Oh, I should listen to other podcasts more heavily before I thought about this. Hey, shit. <laughs> I guess for me, okay, you ready? Hit me. I look back at year 10, Amanda, who quite didn't know what the hell she wanted to do. The pressure was on. I think you've got to go, guys, don't stress it. Literally, you do you, and everything's meant to happen for a reason. So if you fail this exam, exam is not going to be the end of the world. I think we've all got to really apply the brakes sometimes, and I'm an accelerator 95% of the time. But you do. You've got to put the brakes on. And I think for me, A, that's the first thing, is that life isn't a failure at year 10 if you fail an exam. So keep striving forward. And if you don't know what you're doing, that's fine. But get out there, take a gap year, try a grad program in a pastoral company because you get the best chance of seeing every sector from sales, you know, an office job, feedlotting, pastoral, farming. And I think from there the passion's going to kick in because you're going to get so much experience with horses, bikes. You know, it's unbelievable how much we actually do within ag you know, and I say it with inverted commas because it's so broad. I think that once you find what you love and don't listen to other people, do what you want. Like I'm so blessed I've been brought up not to worry and stress about that kind of stuff and had the pressure of being told what to do or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. I've just done me the whole time. And I think that's a big thing for them is that ag is so rewarding mentally, personally, professionally in all aspects and to really give it a crack. Mm. That would be it, definitely. No, it's bloody good advice to wrap up what's been a hell of a story. Thanks for coming on, Amanda. That's all right, mate. It was fun. I hope it, um, yeah, I hope people 
find it inspirational and look if anyone ever wants to learn I'm always and I've got an open door policy that's my big thing that I have the open door so that's me She's certainly done a lot since she entered the beef industry in that tannery all those years ago. And Amanda has built an incredibly impressive network and I think she's a true champion of bringing other people along on the journey and creating opportunities for other people. If you want to get in touch with Amanda or find out more about it, check out the show notes and there's a couple of links there. Thanks again for joining us this week. We absolutely love spending... Uh, this time or for, for you taking this time each week to jump along and listen and support the Humans of Agriculture podcast as we bring incredibly interesting people to the microphone each week. In the coming weeks, you can jump on and hear from Simone Kane, Bryce Cam, and a bunch of other incredible people as we continue this series. So look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane, and I'll see you next week.